0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 8th, 2021. More than a game, perfection. Morning, Connection Church. Morning. Good morning. So this month we're uh, having some fun using five popular games of springboards into some more serious theological discussions as we realize that it's more than a game. This morning, our focus is on perfection. Perfection. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we
1: are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us today right here at 4744. And those of you who are joining us online, hey, Lindsay and Marianne and butch and cindy and bob and sherry and virginia we've got laura hi everybody say hi to laura we miss you um anyway um i'm excited to be here today i'm dressed a little bit down i'm leaving right at the end i won't be able to speak to any of you i'm going to just say it right now because i'm getting in my car and going to camp akomas which is in centerville And I'm going to be there until Tuesday night.
0: It's a Methodist Church camp. It's a Methodist Church camp.
1: And I'm so excited. It's a week I usually do where it's um, adults who have different needs. They might be coming from group homes or Stokely Center or directly from their homes. And it's just a precious week. So I get to go be their nurse. And um, it's a week that I really look forward to every year. We didn't get to do it last year because of COVID. So So I'll be there. Courtney, that was the last time we're gonna see Courtney on the screen because she's heading off to college. Courtney, you are an absolutely incredible blessing to our church. Thank you, thank you, Alan. Guess what I got? Aren't you I got a Westchester shirt because I'm a Westchester aunt now.
0: Well, touch you. Touch you. Yours, Whoa.
1: yours is coming.
0: I know. I'll figure it I think I know what's in the bag now.
1: Okay. All right. You know, if you have any kids that are going away to college, this is not your last Sunday here, is it? Okay. Okay. We want to pray over any college kids, so be sure to let us know that we can do that and send them Will off. Will you be back
0: here before you leave? Okay. okay.
1: sure. All right. And we've got Chris and some of the others that we'll check on. All right. Um, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Uh, I'm thinking about Ben, too. He's leaving. Gosh. All right. Thank you for our youth, our young people who serve so incredibly. Thank you for joining us, each one here today. Those joining us online, settle us in wherever we are and help us um, focus on you and for what you have planned for us this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: All right. So today we're talking about the game perfection. Who's played it before? Yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: Well, Who, who's perfected it? Has any? Gosh, a few
1: of you have gotten it. That's really awesome. What first came into being in <laughs> 1973. Um, You saw what it was. You have to fit 25 differently shaped objects into these uh, spaces in 100 seconds. And you hear that tick, 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 tick. And if you take too long and you don't get it all in, bam, it all comes right back up. And I can remember playing that game for hours with my sister. I am not sure. I can't remember if I achieved perfection or not.
0: I know I never did. Never. Never. Never perfection. So, you know, term for this game, but we also use it sometimes in sports, don't we? We're in the Olympics right now, and you know, in the Olympics, there have been perfect 10 scores before on an occasion, yeah. Bowlers, who here's a bowler? Okay. How many of those bowlers have rolled a 300 perfect game? It's tough to do, isn't it? That's tough. Everybody's looking. (laughs) Hello. Never even close. And then in baseball, you know, you have what they call a perfect game. Pitcher throws a perfect game where nobody from the other team reaches first base for any reason whatsoever. But here's what we want to focus on this morning. Perfection is more than just a game. It's more than just a game. Dictionary tells us that it's freedom from fault or defect. Flawlessness, an unsurpassable degree of accuracy or excellence, it's tough to find something or someone without fault or defect, isn't it? I mean, if you look close enough, sooner or later, chances are pretty good you're going to find something wrong, something.
1: There's a blog called brilliance.com, and it asks this question. Can you buy a perfect diamond? Hmm. Well, they answered by referring back to 2013 when the so-called perfect diamond was put up for auction. 101.7 carats.
0: That's a BHD. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, can you imagine just like walking like this with that baby? Uh, you know, if I had it, I would sell it.
0: We couldn't afford to insure it.
1: No, but man, but, man we'd get a fellowship hall. We'd have a gym different we'd have a playground oh my gosh it'd be so good just for 20 million dollars that's how much that cost it could be yours the truth is though it's not perfect they say it's perfect but it's really not because there's another uh, website that points to the fact that no diamond is truly flawless because diamonds are formed in nature under turbulent situations, extreme heat and pro- pressure, and so a diamond cannot be 100% pure. Still, the term perfect diamond is used to describe some stones.
0: So here's the thing. We too are formed in nature, right? A- as and God
1: scooped the dust
0: you Blue, sometimes under turbulent <laughs> conditions heat, pressure, and so like diamonds, none of us is perfect as well. Amen? Amen. No one's perfect. You know, God, I mean, excuse me, Paul, the Apostle Paul, reminds us of that in his letter to the church at Rome, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
1: So today is a teaching sermon. Get ready. A little bit of philosophy right now. The famous Greek philosopher, his name was Plato, said that perfection was impossible in the physical world. He posited this theory called Theory of Forms in which he stated that a perf, that perfection only takes place in the realm of thought. Only in the realm of thought is perfection. Um, There's this perfect idea that exists in our mind, but once it's played out, it's just imperfect copies of the perfect idea. For Plato, there was not such a thing as perfection in our everyday world. Mm. Something to consider, and we are going somewhere
0: with this. There you go. So perfection, challenging idea. Challenging concept for us as Christians, isn't it? Think about this. Was the Garden of Eden perfect before Adam and Eve uh, ate from the forbidden fruit? I I think a lot of people think that that's true, that it was perfection, but consider this. We're never told in Scripture that it's perfect. We're never told it's perfect. Each day of creation, here's what we're told. At the end of the day, we're told that God saw that it was good. Not perfect. Good. And then after God had created everything, getting ready to take Sabbath, but at at the end of that day, here's what we read in Scripture. God saw all he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Again, not perfection. Very good.
1: Why not perfect? Well, don't we always think of the Garden of Eden as paradise? Paradise, well, yeah, paradise. But even paradise does not equal perfect. Here's the thing, stick with us here. God and God alone is perfect. Only God is perfect. For God to create perfection elsewhere would be to create another God, little g, God of some sort, and that really doesn't make sense. I guess if Eden had been perfect, absolutely perfect, the idea of the fall would not have been possible. We would have been perfect. And perfection would not have given us the possibility of making bad choices, which we did and do. It would not have given us the need for salvation, which we desperately have. We'd be our own gods, little g gods, in our own perfect ways. So I have to confess that this is kind of a new thought for me, but as we really took a look at this, it, it's a lot to think about. There's only one perfect, and it's God.
0: So what does the Scripture say about perfection? Well, we, um, one place we can turn to is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is verses 7b through 10. Apostle Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, in order to keep me from me, Paul, from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You ever pleaded with the Lord to take something away? Yeah, and here Paul is. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, Paul speaking again, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong."
1: So Paul shares with the church at Corinth that there is um, a thorn in his flesh, some sort of challenge, something that's troublesome that he's he's not able to overcome. And his thought is that the Lord has it there to keep him humble. Three times, as Alan said, Paul pleaded for this to be removed. Now we're not told what this thorn is. Perhaps it is something physical. Perhaps it's emotional. Perhaps, I don't know, but there was something that tormented him. Thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. That's kind of disturbing. But have you ever had anything kind of like a thorn in your flesh? I know I have. I know I do. And so you pray, and I pray, and I pray, and it's still there. But god is the one who helps us overcome that despite the thorn in our flesh for me it keeps me humble reminds me of my desperate need for the lord how about you we are desperate for god and so the lord says to paul and says to us my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect In weakness Mm -hmm. we are not more powerful or more perfect but the Lord's power is made perfect through our weaknesses so we have hardships and we have persecutions and we have difficulties and we are weak but God is strong and his power is perfected in our weakness
0: Mm. I was thinking about this this week and thinking okay when was it that maybe I wanted to be strong, but then in weakness, God's strength showed itself? And so I got to thinking, okay, here at church sometimes, um, I've been in church meetings, and I knew we had some decision to make, and I knew where I wanted that decision to go. <laughs> and I was sure that's where God wanted to go as well. Hello. <laughs> and, 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 and so I was all ready to kind of, See the conversation steer that way, you know, use my whatever strength I would have in, um, you know, convincing, <laughs> directing, whatever word you want to use there. And, and just as I was about to, to show my strength, there was this still small voice. Not a, it wasn't an actual voice, but this, in the back of my mind, whatever it was, saying, hey, Alan why don't you just be quiet for a change? Why don't you try something new and just hush up and watch me work? Okay, here we go. So just sat in the meeting and really didn't say much and just watched the conversation as it kind of traveled from here and then over here and then over here, and it was all said and done, God brought us exactly where we were supposed to go. Unbelievable. Alan didn't even have to help guide it. Can you believe that?
1: Unbelievable. And it might not have been where you thought it needed to go. It might not have even been where you thought it needed
0: to go. True. Which really often it is, but not always. I mean, you know, often it's like, wow, okay, I hadn't even thought of that one. Thanks, God. You're pretty pretty sharp. Wow. You know. Um, It's really something when we can swallow our strength and in our weakness watch god's strength just uh when i'm weak he is strong amen amen
1: perfection and so in the book of matthew that's at the beginning of the new testament it's the first gospel and in the book of matthew there's an extended teaching of jesus he was on the side of a mountain it's called um, the sermon on the mount And he spoke a lot of truth in chapters 5, 6, and 7. There's an interesting teaching near the end of chapter 5 that, if you've been in church uh, for any period of time, you have probably heard that, this teaching that I'm going to share. But we want you to focus on the very last sentence. So here we go. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Do not even pagans do that? So here's the sentence. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: And so as we say, you know, this is a pretty familiar scripture. Many of you are probably familiar with that, that part, especially that first part. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a tough passage, isn't it? Some days. You know, that can be a really tough passage to, 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 to execute, but, um, but as, 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 the scripture, as the Scripture says, as, as Jesus shares, anybody can love those who love them. That's not a challenge, is it? Uh, it's not that tough if people are nice to you, to be nice to them. But how about loving people who you don't, even, you don't like, people you might not even want to be around, you're called to love them. And then there's that last sentence. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know What does that even mean? Be perfect like God? Come on now. How does that work? What's that even begin to look like? Is that possible? Well, why would Jesus call us to do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If it wasn't possible, why would Jesus be calling us to that?
1: So we're going to unpack this. Um, It may have been what John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, was speaking about when he taught about something called perfecting grace now you're going to get your next theology lesson and we're going to talk about the doctrine of grace which i am so excited about because it's who we are as a church and this is like critical important stuff to know we've talked about grace before wesley says and we agree that there's one grace but different aspects of god's grace One grace, but different aspects. Okay, what is grace? Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. In the case of God's grace, it's that unconditional love that God has for you and me, and we don't deserve it. But God just gives it to us and dumps it on us. Anyway, it's a gift, pure and simple, for us just to receive. And the gift of Jesus dying on the cross to pay for our sins and mine, that's grace. That's God's riches at Christ's expense. Say that with me. God's riches at Christ's expense,
0: grace. And so Wesley taught about, preached about, he focused a lot on this whole grace idea. And and he taught that there were, like Carrie said, different aspects to grace. He taught that God sometimes shows us grace even before we know what's going on. Now he used language that's kind of, because this several hundred years ago, Wesley called it preventing grace. Well, that sounds to us like keeping it from happening. So actually we call it prevenient, means what he wanted to, prevene means uh, coming before, uh, beforehand, coming before we're even aware of it. This is a grace that God is like wooing us in and we don't even know what he's doing. It's like, we're going to have baptisms. Uh, Courtney said that on the screen. Uh, two month, weeks from now. Two weeks. And we'll baptize baby. The baby, you know, is going to be aware of water. And sometimes I, the, the look on their eyes, they know something's cooking, you know. But they, I don't think they fully are aware. But God's well aware of what's going on. God's wooing that child into relationship. And it's not just babies. You know, it's us too, you know. Maybe, I know people in the church said, you know, my neighbor, uh, you know, kept inviting me. And that's one week I just said, yes. Yeah. I don't know why. Something just told me to say yes. Well, hello. God was in, wooing you in through that prevenient grace, and you didn't even know what was happening. And the next thing you know, you're sitting in a church service that you never thought you'd be in. Isn't that wild? Prevenient grace. Grace that comes before we
1: understand God's love at all and it happens our whole life actually and so from there God works in us and shows us in various ways um, his love his grace and we get to a point where we can no longer say no like okay God yes 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 I accept this grace this love that you so lavishly give me. And so we drop our defenses. We confess that we're a wreck without God. I'm a wreck with God, but God takes care of me through that. And we're sinners and we need a savior. We talk about this a lot in the scripture and our hearts open up and we invite Jesus in and we submit to Jesus as our Lord and savior. Now, I need to tell you that I don't have an exact date and time or even year when that happened to me. It's kind of like a flower that just unfolds or gradually opens up over time. Some people have what we call a lightning bolt experience. I've always kind of envied that person because they're here and then here. For me, it's just been a gradual understanding to the point where one day, and I can't tell you when, but it's like, I am really different because of you and I'm making this decision. So there are moments where it gets clearer and clearer, and I have lots of those moments. And so I don't know what your story is, and it's all, you know, God just writes our story in different ways in each one of our lives. But confess, invite, submit, That grace, Wesley calls justifying grace. We can read about this in Romans chapter 5, our justification. It's the point where we say yes, and then when that happens, we are made new, we're born again, converted. It's awesome. God justifies us. We can break that down like just as if I'd, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. We're lined up, we're made right with God.
0: So we've got provenient grace, we've got justifying grace, and we've got sanctifying grace, Wesley talked about, or sanctification. If you look up sanctification, uh, it's the making or declaring of something holy. It's the action or process of being freed from sin or purified. Uh, uh, that's when that justification, that point where you say yes, and then the rest of our lives is getting ever more holy, ever more uh, uh, purified, ever closer to God in a relationship with Jesus Christ, ever closer to being that person God had in mind when God first thought of us, long before we ever entered the womb. You know, and, and this whole process—the uh, what we just talked about—it's kind of like uh, a relationship in human terms. It'd be kind of like us, I'd say. Like, Carrie and I, okay, at one point we didn't even know each other. Okay, and then there was a point where there was what you call wooing, you know, trying to uh, pull you in. And so what that
1: looked like is that I was in the band, and he was older than me, and I just thought he was all that. Well, and so heard, he had, had a girlfriend. Heard, I had
0: heard. Uh, and heard I just had. I?
1: I just happened to be in the hall when he was with her. And I'm like, hi, or I'd say, I need some help with my math, or gosh, I need a ride home from band.
0: Woo. That be, was my wooing. Be careful young people because you may pay for things like that for the next 50 years of your life. She's paid for f- just about a month shy now of 50 nice. years for that wooing. But anyway, so there's that wooing and maybe you've had that in your relationship, you know, trying to draw that person in and and of course we dated on. And and then there was the day we said yes. To a lifetime together. Marriage Day. Yeah, you know, but that's, that's a that's a moment, that's an event, isn't it? That's a, a point in time. But once we did that, then then that's the wedding. The marriage is still going on. It, you know, we've been at it 43 years, hope to do it. There was you no know, probably not 43, but a few more anyway. Um, and that's kind of, the, the yes was like the justification, and now it's sanctification, getting ever closer to the ideal of marriage that we had hoped it would be when we said yes. Does that make sense, that kind of process? Now, of course, um, we're earthifying something that's heavenly, and God's is much more holy. It's a whole different, but God woos us. We say, yeah, and then uh, there's ever getting closer, sanctified, ever ever more holy and, and closer to God through Christ in the power of of the Holy Spirit.
1: I think you just Alanized something, earthifying. There you go. That's pretty good. Okay. So Wesley, again, believed in something that we call perfecting grace. Interesting term. As God draws us closer and closer into that holy life where we pray, I pray that when people see us, we're more invisible and they see Jesus. When people see a smile, they might see um, God's love. And, you know, as we move toward this, what we call perfection, it's not to say that we will never make a mistake again, um, that we're God-like perfect, because that is absolutely not the case. We're fallen creatures. We commit unintentional, maybe intentional, transgressions. We absolutely need God's forgiveness. We absolutely need salvation. But Wesley did believe that we could get closer and closer and closer and fully sanctified. I have to tell you, this kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's, but as we get closer and closer to Jesus, we certainly begin to look more and more because it's not us, it's God through us. It's a oneness with God, oneness. And so this scripture at the end of chapter 5, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is how we've tried to unpack what that means.
0: With that being said, though, we talk about perfection, as Carrie shared last week. If you're looking for a perfect church, this ain't it. Especially
1: (laughs) when we say ain't.
0: I know, I purposely changed okay, that. Purposely. Because I knew you would react. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because church made up people. I mean church isn't a building, it's people. And and we might be heading, but we aren't perfect. I know at least we aren't, so and so this church is not gonna be perfect. But that doesn't mean that we can't be moving toward perfection. You know, whether Wesley was right or not, whether complete perfection in this life is possible or not, it's an interesting debate. But here's the thing, whether that's right or not, Jesus did make it pretty clear through his teachings that when we say yes in a relationship with him, it's important that we change, that something is different, that we move toward him, that we don't go back to the old self. The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ, and so God's sanctifying grace moves us ever closer to God's intention, ever closer to perfection. Here's the thing we can always block it, that's the thing we can say no. And here's the thing to remember though it's not through our doing that we get closer to perfection, we're not that good, and that's the whole thing. This it's God's grace, it's not. It's not Alan's strength, it's not Carrie's will, it's not Joe's, will, it's nothing that, it's not because we have the strength, the power, even the willpower. None of us has that much willpower, none, to head to perfection. The only thing that draws us is God's grace in our lives and us not blocking it but continuing to allow it to flow through us. Does this, does this make any sense at all? That's why it's grace. That's why today's message isn't perfection through Alan's willpower, through Alan's strength, because it's in my weakness that God's strength is perfected. Um, it's, It's Jesus showing, it's not me being strong for Christ, it's me being weak so Jesus can shine through me and use me. You ever had these little sun catchers that you put up at your window? We used to have them in a the house. You know, it's kind of like a stained glass window in mini form, you know, that you hook, that you suction cup onto your window. And, you know, if you hold it in your hand, you don't see much, but you hold up to the window, wow. It's kind of like stained glass windows in a church at, you know, when it's dark, it doesn't show much, but when the light shines through, wow, it's glorious, isn't it? We're, we're to be sun catchers, but it's S-O-N, son of God catchers, Jesus catchers, and allow... Jesus to shine through us. It's not our strength. It's us not getting in the way. It's not me saying, I can do it. No, no. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not my strength. It's not my light that's shining through me and allowing Christ to shine through me and with me and use me to do what he's going to do.
1: So we've given you a lot to think about, and this is, this is a lot of, of theology, things of God, study of God, the doctrine of grace. Remember, it's one grace, but different aspects of that, and um, what does that look like? What do we do? Well, through we have to have the relationship with God, so what does that mean? Open up our Bibles. We read what God says. We pray. We listen. We pray. We listen and listen some more. We uh, do devotion. Um, we worship together. All this stuff is is kind of necessary. In order to have a relationship, we have to put time in. It's just like our earthly relationships. If we don't put time in, then they're kind of empty, and um, the person's a stranger. And so it's important to put put that time in, and my prayer consistently is, you know, more of you, less of me. And there's a song that we're going to do, Stephanie is going to lead us in, and the words are just, they, they kind of, I, I believe that they're anointed. And when Mitchell and I were planning music last month, we played this, we were in the conference room, and after it got done, it's like we couldn't even speak. It was this, this holiness that filled the room because of these words that God used to minister to us. We're like, wow. So the lyrics go like, we ask God to fill us with his kindness and compassion for the one whom Jesus died for humanity. Increase your love in me, Lord, so that I might increase my love for those around me. Help me be radical, not lukewarm, radical, loving with open arms, Lord, so that when they look in my eyes they see not me but you your love and your grace that they would see your love father when they see me smile lord help me get ever closer to you so that my life Tells others who you are. That's what it's all about. Our lives always pointing to Christ. We don't always have to use words. Kindness and compassion. To share the never-ending love of our wonderful and good, good Father. And then this lyric just caught me. From the homeless to the famous and everyone in between, Lord, You formed us, you made us, and you love us. Draw us ever closer to you, Lord, sanctified, so close that when others see me, they see you, your grace, perfected in your love. And so we pray that as we close our worship that this song will be a blessing to you and that it will nudge you to go just one more step just a little bit deeper in your relationship with jesus let's pray almighty god wow your grace your grace is enough your grace is sufficient when we are weak you are strong Thank you, God. You're a good, good Father, whether life is turned upside down or whether everything's going good. Lord, we thank you for every single day. We thank you for the breath that we breathe, every beating of our heart, that we might love more fully, that we might care more deeply, and that we might reflect you more and more. God, use us as your sun catchers, son catchers, S O N catchers, and that others might know and get connected to Jesus and the new life that he offers. We thank you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name.